Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to a new episode of Mikeadelic. I'm your host, of course, Mike Brancatelli. Got a good episode today. Um, you know, when I first booked this guest, I didn't know that there was going to be a mass shooting. I wish I did know. I could have. I could have prevented it. That would be a good superpower. Um, but I, yeah, I didn't know that that was going to happen. Of course, you know, no one knows these things are going to happen, but they happen. Um, and uh, so we we started. We, you know, we talked about it a little bit uh, in like the middle of the episode. Um, but this is a, a great guest. It's Mark Clare. Uh, host of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Uh, I've been on his podcast a couple times, and uh, Mark's got a great podcast. And so I uh, I wanted to talk to him about how he started it and and what brought him to uh, the Liberty movement. And then I, I kind of wanted to talk to him about the war on drugs, uh, but we didn't get to that because we talked about this this mass shooting. Uh, but we had a, a good episode, and then uh, there's some bonus uh, special bonus feature of. Uh, uh, some some cool stuff that we get into some weird and weird and wacky and wild stuff, um, and that's on my Patreon. So if you're a Patreon supporter, you get access to that. Um, you can donate as little as like a dollar a month. It's uh, it's pretty easy, um, and that's how you fund this show. And and you know we we do things and get guests and make stuff happen, and provide good content. You know because there's there's a lot of bad content out there, right? I mean. Fake news, you know, CNN, all this stuff, WikiLeaks releases and exposing all these things, um, you know, and even new, newer kind of media like Vox and, you know, these kinds of other millennial um, p- places, you know, they, they're, they're not really giving a drastically different view than what you're getting on the mainstream. Um, so, you know, podcasting is where it's at podcasting and, you know, YouTube is, is getting cracked down upon. So there's a lot of podcasts out there. You know, if there's subjects that you're interested in, you know, just go and search and, and, or topics that you want to hear about or events that happen that you want some more information on. The best thing to do is just go and and search the podcasts that are out there and find what you're looking for. And listen to a bunch of, of different ones and then try and kind of do your own opinion. I know it's a lot of work, right? But we, you know, as I said on, on one of the last episodes, we're like, we're all investigative journalists now. You know, we have computers in our pockets and cameras and, you know, we can talk to each other and find out what's going on. We don't really, there's no need for gatekeepers. Um, so, you know, it's it's a good time to be alive. And I think podcasting is definitely... Uh, where it's at as far as unfiltered, uh, raw, and like totally different views, uh, real alternative views from uh, anything else that you hear out there. And so Mark's got a great uh, podcast, uh, Lines of Liberty. And, um, you know, obviously it's a libertarian podcast. So go check that out, lionsofliberty.com and everywhere podcasts are found. Um, and yeah, so, you know, I had different, different topic planned, uh, for, for this show, but that mass shooting happened and changed everything. So we, we, we had to talk about it and it's, you know, it's like, we don't want to talk about it. You know, it's, we don't want to, this is such like such a terrible thing that happens in our, in our society. And, 
you know, this is supposed to be kind of more of like a fun psychedelic show and, you know, talking about cool ideas that can change the world and stuff like that. And I don't want to bring it down by talking about, you know, terrible stuff that's happened. But hey, this is what this is the news of our day. This is what's happening, you know, and we have to really do something about this. You know, we can't just let this slip by as another wasted opportunity. You know, like, oh, man, you know, just, oh, another mass shooting. Oh, okay. You know, what are we going to do? I mean, we, th- these are, these aren't good events. You know, yes, people die every day. There's all sorts of problems that happen, you know, and that sort of thing. But this is a special kind of thing. I mean, this is like a really unique, sick, twisted event that really damages us. You know, it hurts. Obviously, people die and, and family members are lost and these terrible things happen. But what about the trauma? Like, what, what about the, the collective trauma and the individual trauma of the people that are directly associated, you know, family members and friends and people like that? And what is it like to know that, like, someone you loved was gunned down in that fashion, in that way? There's, there's definitely a psychological weight to that, that that definitely hits us all hard in our hearts and in our minds. It's just so heavy on our psyche. What does it do to people? What does it do to us as a country, as a people? You know, that, uh, what, what kind of baggage and trauma are we uh, carrying around and, and affected by? I mean, this is, this, is rep- this is a representation of who we are, you know? I mean, th- this is a symptom of, of what we have agreed upon to, to live in. You know, we've agreed in a certain kind of fashion, or maybe we haven't agreed because we didn't know that we had a choice to, um, and we're just kind of on autopilot and we're not really paying attention, but we're all participants in this reality. And when something like this happens, this is something has gone wrong in our reality, you know, and, and we as a people need to kind of wake up and say, what are we going to do about this? This is not okay. We don't like this, you know? So you have s- some people um, saying that, you know, look, it's time to ban guns. We're, we got to crack down on these gun laws. We got to do something. And I completely understand that, you know, I totally get that. I get that reaction. I get that emotional need to really try and like, try and understand what's going on and not really being able to figure it out and just saying something must be done, anything, just something. You know, so, I mean, look, the state passes all kinds of laws. Okay, fine, pass a law, do whatever you have to do. But is that really going to change the symptom springing out of this disease that we have in our, in our culture, in our society, in, in our life, in this reality that we create together? Is that really going to solve the problem? You know, I don't know. I, I don't think so. And then you have some people talking about, well, this is a mental health epidemic. You know, this is... You know, people are on medications and SSRIs, and it's been linked to these kinds of side effects and behaviors, and we've seen this before in mass shooters, and, you know, we have this, this, this society that functions off of drugs, you know, there's good drugs and there's bad drugs, and that's why I wanted to talk to Mark about the war on drugs, um, and they, the state deems which ones are the good drugs and which ones are the bad drugs, you know. And, the, and a lot of people are hooked on these supposed good drugs. And we have this opium 
epidemic, essentially, right? Where's the most opium grown? Well, it's in Afghanistan. Okay, so, you know, it's not really too hard to kind of just look at the situation, look at these systems, look at these systems of power and wealth and influence. How do they function? How do they stay in power? You know, it's, it's, it's not hard to just look at the facts. You know, there's, there's the facts and there's the truth. And then there's what we want to believe, what we would like to believe, what would make us feel better about our lives and the world and the people in it if we just pushed ourselves to believe that thing, you know? It's like we're always constantly calibrating, like, what what should we believe? What's more true? What's more real? What makes more sense? But we're biased because we're biased because. We obviously would like things to be a certain way. We would like things to make sense in a certain way. We would like to see, we would like to believe that this is, you know, the, the, the world is a certain way, you know, according to whatever our, whatever our feelings are, whatever, whatever that's telling us, you know. And for some people, it's, it could be very, it could be very heavy and very, like, just totally disruptive to to their psyche to find out that things are different from what they would like you know so different from what they would like to believe and you know so you have all kinds of people with all kinds of theories and 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 feelings and what they think is true and what's not and and those sorts of things but we don't know right because like i said there's the truth there's the facts there's what we would like to believe, and then that's what's, and then there's what's also being told to us to try and influence us to, to believe one thing or the other. So I, I just think that this is a very deep and complex issue, you know, and when you have a show like this and you have the opinions that I have, you know, I don't, I don't trust anything that the government says. I don't trust anything that the mainstream media says. I, I, just, I just don't understand how you could. And when you look at the official story that they're reporting, there's a lot of things that just don't add up and don't make sense. So there's a lot of questions that we should be asking. And like I said, you know, I don't, I don't really want to like do shows like these where we're talking about kind of heavy stuff like this. And, but you have to look at like, how do our leaders behave? They are the creators of, of this reality, in a sense. But they don't have to be. You know, because they do so with, with force and coercion. You know, there's a lot of problems in our system of uh, leaders and, you know, people that we cast as leaders in this country. You know, that's not really what a leader should be. A leader should lead by example. A leader should be somebody that doesn't lead with force and coercion, but somebody that is sought after and, go, and, and looked at for advice uh, on things and wisdom. But we don't have that. You know? We have people that sell weapons. You know, we make the most weapons here. We sell the most weapons here. And you know, we have a problem with violence. We have a problem with war. We have a problem with guns. We have a problem. So we got to wake up and figure something out, right? And, um, you know, this, this is a good guest to have on the show, Mark Clare, host of Lines of Liberty. Me and him are going to talk. Uh, in the beginning, I, you know, we get into some, some things about Mark, how he uh, became a libertarian and then started a podcast. And then we talk about some current events and, and stuff. And like I said, there's a bonus section as well. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. 
And um, if you do, please go to iTunes. Leave me a nice uh, five-star rating and review. I think we have like 62 or three now. Um, and that's great. I want to get to 100 by the end of the year. That would be really cool. Uh, and I think, you know, if you like this show, if you like the message and, and you believe in this stuff, then, you know, go go and promote it and support it and uh, and leave those ratings and reviews and if we get a lot of ratings, reviews, and people subscribing to the podcast, it really shoots up in the rankings, and then that'll just bring more opportunity to this show. And, you know, I just want to say, like, this is a different show than I, I would like to think. This is a different show than most of the shows that are out there. I mean, the things that I decide to talk about when I turn on this microphone, the the kinds of different topics that I get into, sometimes personal, sometimes having a guest on, sometimes just losing my mind and ranting about something. You know, I I, I trust you guys to give me honest feedback and, and lead me in, in the proper direction and make something that you really want, you know, something that's really, that you're not hearing anywhere else, that it's, that's as authentic as it can be and, you know, uh, as good as possible. So I appreciate all of you people for listening to this and for giving me that honest feedback. And and um yeah and the you know the message is real you know this is this is something that i truly am passionate about and i and i truly believe in so you know i talk about spreading the the message and sharing the show and liking and subscribing and and leaving ratings and reviews and and donating to the patreon and stuff you know it's because you know maybe maybe i'm delusional but i really do want to you know change the world i really do want to 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 do something good and do something positive um, and, and help people as much as I possibly can with, you know, obviously I'm just some buffoon with like, you know, who just uh, fucks around and, and records some shows and stuff. But, you know, I, I read, <laughs> I can read, <laughs> but I, I, I like to be informed. I like to know what's going on. I like to see how I, how I could help by sharing whatever I can share and doing whatever I can do. You know, like I said, I'm not an academic or a scholar or anything like that, but I try my best and, um, I just want to see a better world. So, you know, I guess when I talk about like, you know, promotion and all this kind of stuff, uh, it's, it's not necessarily for financial gain. It's, it's more for spreading the, the messages that I, that I speak about. And I think, it's, you know, maybe some people might say like, oh, a lot, some shows are repetitive or whatever, but I always try and talk about different things, but always keep that core, you know, the core beliefs of liberty, non-aggression, peace, tolerance, respect, love, compassion, empathy, uh, getting in touch with ourselves and the mystery of life, the connection to the planet, the environment, the animals and each other, understanding each other, knowing each other. Um, and developing more communities of like-minded people and, and connecting with each other, fo- refocusing what, what our values should be, what serves us, what fulfills us as human beings. And, you know, it's because I, I just, I just want to see, I think we can do better, you know. I think, I think that we're all smarter than what we've been told. We're all smarter than what we've, what we've learned or what has been exposed to us. We all have so much potential inside of us to really do something. We're very powerful uh, creatures, you know. I mean, look at what we've done so far, you know. But we have to be careful, you know. It's all about balancing that order and chaos. You know, it's, we've gotten really obsessed with the fact that we're so powerful that look at how much order we could bring into the world, you know. And we've, and we've really squeezed out that chaos. But we need that chaos. We need 
that balance between chaos and order. So the order doesn't become chaos because we've used so much order that it's, it's imbalanced, you know? I actually just saw the uh, trailer for The Force Awakens, so it reminds me of Star Wars. And I think that's why that, that, that movie is such a good mythology. It's, you know, the choice that you have to go to one extreme or the other, you know, but it's really more about that balance in the middle, you know. Understanding, as Jordan Peterson says, understanding your capacity as evil for a human being, seeing yourselves in the shoes of people who do evil things, and then knowing that you are a part of that because you're a human being just like them and we're all the same, but choosing to do good, choosing to enact good in the world, and choosing to live a life where, there's, where you can bring about less suffering for yourself and for others so that when you die, you can say, I've done something here. I've, I've, the world was a better place because I lived in it. I existed. And with that being said, me and Mark Claire are going to try and figure out how we can do that. We talk about some things, some theories, some this and that, but this intro has gone longer than I had planned. Uh, Mark's a great guy. You guys are going to love this podcast. Enjoy. Psychedelics are illegal, not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Information is power, but we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. We got uh, we got Mark Clare, host of Lines of Liberty, here today with me. Uh, thanks for joining me, Mark. Mike, it's a pleasure to be here, man. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. So, wanted to have you on. I, I on feel the, like I feel yeah. like we just hung up not long ago from uh, from you being on our show. Oh yeah, man, that was that was fun. That was a good time. Um, love hanging out with the with the Lions. Good crew over there. You, you get the uh, daily doses of liberty, right? It was almost a, daily. Three days almost a week. But, three you know, days a week. Yeah, it feels yeah, like daily. Yeah. I mean, it's constant. It can be daily. Back, back. There's enough of a back uh, back stock of episodes that you could definitely listen every day for a while if you're a new listener, for sure. Yeah, and you guys have been putting out just great content, uh, you know, for, for what, like years now, right? A couple years? Yeah, it, it's crazy. I just uh, looked at the calendar. I didn't, I don't even, I'm not really good with, you know, birthdays, anniversaries, stuff like that in general, but we just passed uh, four years from the day I just realized uh, of when I just randomly started the show with very little of a plan outside of I am a libertarian. I'm very um, passionate about these beliefs. I like podcasts. I should do one. And that's literally all I had thought of when I started it. And obviously it's uh, evolved quite a bit since then. Yeah, I mean, me, it's kind of similar with me as well. It's, and then you kind of learn as you go and then you just become 
now you're just you know like a professional now it's it's just like a thing like you know you know how to do it you you pick up the pieces as you go so it's it's pretty cool it's cool that we could just do this you know in this day and age we can just you know get a microphone plug it in start reaching out to people and and and, yeah. and deliver people the truth as we see it right it's, I, I could have done it like 15 years ago but i like no one would have known it would just be me in a room with a microphone <laughs> connected to nothing <laughs> it really is an incredible thing though like i, I think it's crazy that i mean there are a lot of people taking advantage it's, it's crazy if people don't see the amazing advantages we have now where you can literally buy i mean you do not need expensive equipment we were talking about this before the show you can have a very very cheap a very affordable podcast setup and you can within you know with a little bit of work and um uh, some you know help of a few different websites that are that range from very cheap to free you can put out a, a high quality sounding podcast and get it out to the world and maybe a million people won't listen to it on day one but if you you know put in the legwork and and try to get it out there and you put out good content you will draw people you will affect people you will you know you will reach people and it, sometimes you think to yourself well am i really is this really worth it am i, am I really reach these people and you look at the numbers and the numbers are, are good and they go down a little bit sometimes but what, what I like to do now is I, I will picture all right let me picture the number of people that download a particular podcast it's not millions I'm not gonna pretend I get millions of listeners ever but you picture that number of people that might download one episode picture them all in a room listening to you talk to someone right. else or, or just talk yourself then it's like wow wow this is mind-blowing suddenly yeah definitely and I always like I remember this speech that Tom Woods gave. I forgot what it was, uh, where it was, maybe at a Mises event or something. But at the end of the speech, he, he was like, and I just, he said, I just want to end it by telling people, you know, if you believe in these ideas, if you believe in the ideas of liberty, if, if this is something that's compelling to you, you know, n get out there and share it, whatever you have to do, start a blog, you know, start a podcast, you know, do whatever you have to do to just communicate this message, start a YouTube channel. And I always thought that that was really cool, you know, because it's like, yeah, you know, you, you like you said, it's anybody can kind of get involved in this if you're passionate enough uh, and, and you can spread these messages that we care about because quite frankly, you know, there's not a lot of great messages coming out from kind of the mainstream. You know, there's not a lot of great, you know, stuff that's that's out there. And so it's kind of left to, to us, you know, the people to uh, to do something about it and create what we want to see in the world. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, if right? you really want to hear about Donald Trump or hurricanes or shootings, then you should just stick to the mainstream media. If you're interested in anything else at all, you should get off that thing and, and hop onto podcasts, hop onto YouTube. Um, there's so many great documentaries out there. I mean, there's, there's so much great work that people are doing independently now. I'm seeing so much of it and, and anybody can get funding from, from anybody too. Like we can, we can put it out there that we're making this great documentary. And next thing you know, uh, you know, thousands of people you never met can be funding it. And that's just simply not possible at least not in, in the way it is now, like uh, like maybe 20 years ago, like unheard of. So we've come so much far, and um, in that in a short amount of time, I can't even imagine. Uh, maybe the, maybe it'll go to some to a too much of an extreme at some point where you're born and they like set up a podcast feed for you, and as soon as you can start talking, <laughs> everyone's got a podcast. Like I don't know, it might go too far at some point, but I think we're in a, a pretty healthy area right now as far as uh, people creating content goes. Yeah, the newborn baby podcast. That sounds like a good <laughs> idea. Um, it's gonna it's probably it's already happened because every time i think of a podcast like that should exist like oh, oh it's already out there someone's got it yeah yeah no i mean it's like but that's a great thing too it's like there's for any niche that you that you want you know i never know is it niche or niche i'm just gonna say niche but, i've always said niche but you niche. know all right i'll go with i've niche. been known to mispronounce a word or two in my day so who knows
Yeah, I mean, any niche that you want. Where else can you go to to hear the you know loquacious sounds of liberty and, and getting injected into your limbic system? <laughs> you know, mixed with the mind expanding, mind altering realm of psychedelics right here mike that's Delic. a that's a beautiful tagline <laughs> yeah well i try you know I, I don't have a great you know like you got the are you ready to roar that should I be should, on a t-shirt i, I should have started yeah i should have started out with like are you ready to take five grams of mushrooms and <laughs> you're like i'm already all right four tripping. grams then <laughs> yeah but yeah all right I mean, what does so, this micro thing in Okay, whatever. So I want, yeah, I want, I want, I want to. Uh, we'll definitely get into some of that later. So you know, uh, we're, we'll talk, we'll talk a little bit about that. But one of the things that some people might find it's it's odd sometimes for me to get political or something on this show, but I think it's all connected, you know. And like, you know, this isn't just a a, a druggy show or a tripping show. You know, we're talking about liberty, we're talking about freedom, we're talking about how it all connects. You know, the human condition, all that kind of stuff. And I feel like you're a good guy to talk to about all these things. So how did how did some you know long haired hippie from California get into the liberty movement? <laughs> that is a great question. Well, maybe the fact that I'm not from California. Uh, originally is part of that because if I grew up here I, I it's quite possible I might have a totally different mentality about things where'd, where'd you I, grow I don't up? really know uh, so I grew up I was originally born in Buffalo New York and then I, I uh, when I was about eight years old my family moved to Connecticut and uh, which is also a very a very liberal state really but uh, my, my parents are not liberal my, my dad is a like life long died in the wool, press that R button down the line every time kind of Republican so I I definitely grew up with that as sort of of what I heard, I didn't even know. I think uh, whether I agreed or didn't with him at that time, I was just like, "Well, this is what my dad thinks." Now uh, he seems pretty smart. He's got like a job and money, so <laughs> maybe he knows some things. So I, I kind of listened to him, but I, I definitely didn't buy into like the the politics I heard hook, line, and sinker because I, I I distinctly remember this. And not only do I did I remember this a little bit, but I actually interviewed my dad in my first year of my podcast. I did a Father's Day special, and I I want to I, I want to redo it again. I want to do maybe revisit it next year. It'll be like five years at that point. Uh, I interviewed my dad, and he told me, you know, he remembers when I was a kid that I would uh, I would always like ask people questions. And then if I didn't think they were telling the truth or I didn't think they were giving me the full story, I would continue to ask questions and ask more and more, you know, deeper questions until I finally got to the bottom of whatever, you know, weird knowledge I, I was seeking at the time, even well before I, I thought about politics. And then, um, you know, even when I was a teenager um, or even younger, probably just driving around the car with him, the only thing my dad listened to was like AM radio uh, and obviously like mostly like conservative talk show host type things. But even then, I remember saying things to him like, well, why should this thing be illegal? Why should there be a law about this? So I think even before I even considered, you know, political philosophy, I, I did have these kind of thoughts ingrained in me of, of questioning things and and not just accepting everything I was told at, at face value. I, I always thought there's there's got to be more to the story uh, about whatever it is, whether it's like what my mom's making for dinner or, you know, deeper things like politics. So, <laughs> you know, I always... I was always very inquisitive and digging, and I think that's uh, probably what led me uh, down this path. Ultimately, we got to get to the truth of this chicken cutlet, Mom. What's it? What's it? <laughs> I want to know where to come from. Chicken pot pie, really? <laughs> right. What's this white substance? I have no idea what this is. It's delicious, though. It's it's fantastic, but. <laughs> So wait, wait, tell me what's this made out of? I, I think that most people probably would, would, you know, that's how their views get shaped is is from where they grow up and their parents and things like that. So were your parents kind of like inquisitive and asking questions or your dad or was that just something that you had and, and you were just like that? 
Uh, yeah, I think to, to some extent my dad was as well. I, I think for him, his politics uh, largely just came from the fact that, uh, you know, he was uh, he had a couple of brothers and a sister and they were all uh, abused quite a bit. And um, he did not, you know, his parents did not send him to college. You know, most liberals today would call my dad privileged because he's a, a white dude who is, uh, you know, relatively successful in his career or whatever. You know, he's middle class white guy privileged right but you know he, he wasn't given anything from his dad he was given abuse and uh you know he turned that into making a life for himself and i, I mean i'm not going to get into too many details but um you know his siblings did not make it you know nearly out out of that as well as he did and he focused all his energy on making his own life and and you know he, he didn't get a dime for college from his dad he joined rotc he worked his butt off he worked two jobs he put himself through college uh he was in the air force he you know built you know he became a successful salesman all on his own and you know he he did all this stuff, and I think in many ways that sh that shaped his idea of republicanism at the time, which was I say at the time I don't know if it's really changed, but you know what we're told Republicans are is they're all about you know personal responsibility and um, individual whatever, and I think that was what appealed you know what appealed to him uh, for that brand of politics, and that was at the time when really almost 100% of the population probably bought into the left-right paradigm. I was I've been able to sort of crank him out of that a little bit. I mean, I'm pretty sure he still goes and hits that R every, every, every few years, but uh, he definitely thinks about things a lot more deeper. Um, so I'm sure uh, we probably, I probably got some of that quality from him as well, but uh, hopefully he, he got some of that from me uh, also. Cool. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's so sad and terrible when you, when you hear about, you know, people that come from, you know, abusive households and stuff. And so that's, that's so, that's so amazing to see that he made it out of that and he, and he turned it into, you know, uh, positive and then, you know, was able to provide for his family. I mean, that's an amazing story because, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're around this kind of aggressive, abusive, uh, environment, it could be very tough and that, and that could be very, you know, psychologically damaging as well, uh, as physically damaging to people. And so it's, it's glad, it's, it's good to see that, you know, that, 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 he he made it out and and he was able to provide and give you a better life than maybe something that he had so um you know that that's Absolutely. that yeah and then that's just uh you know that i, I believe that that's a that really starts you know i i love when uh you know the i first heard stefan molyneux talking about you know peaceful parenting and you know how he was tying it into libertarianism with you know non-aggression and all this kind of stuff and it just made so much sense to me it's like why would you ever like hit a defenseless innocent new, like child you know it just doesn't seem you know right or even ver be verbally abusive to these people and so you know i think a lot of problems from our world definitely stem from that you know people being uh, brought up in these situations so oh you know yeah i agree and there, there's a lot of you know like i'm one of these people that doesn't have kids but has thoughts on parenting so whatever sue me but a lot of a lot of people take issue with people when people say well you shouldn't hit your kids and you know they'll say well you've never been a parent so you don't know and they're right they are correct uh right. but I, I i agree with you strongly that when the when when the one of the first things you learn is that a solution to something somebody doing something you don't want is to get hit i mean that's that's gotta affect your your life and the way you look at things you're gonna maybe be more likely to go to school and think well this kid's not doing what i like i'm gonna hit him and maybe that kid's now he's been hit a bunch at school now he's gonna go out into the world and become a, a total psycho and, and kill people because a bunch of people used to hit him in school so i mean i think this stuff can really have a ripple effect and i think so much of our our minds are shaped when and the way we view the world are secretly like unconsciously shaped when we're children like stuff we don't even, even remember is affecting the way we're acting 20 years later so I, I definitely think that, look, I, I, I definitely make a distinguishment. Like, I personally think I wouldn't spank my child, but I, I get some people do give their child a spanking and, and that's 
not necessarily the same as like true, true abuse. Like right, I'm not going right. to equate those things. Um, but you know, I, I, I philosophically think like, yeah, you, you probably shouldn't hit a kid. I mean, I totally think if a kid's about to walk into traffic, you, you yank his ass out of there as hard as you can. I mean, uh, there's not situations where you shouldn't be using physical exertion, but, um, you know, to me as punishment it, it, for, you know, whatever, you know, not finishing your dinner or something, it, it just, it seems so so anti what how adults are expected to act and, and as adults we are we say you never hit another person well not everybody says that now you can punch someone if they are say they're if you think they're a nazi i guess but generally in normal society at work if someone messes up and screwed something up for me i'm not allowed to go punch them like that's just not that's not how it works it's so insane to think yeah. that yet somehow we think that as children maybe we should simplify the message by just smacking them instead of actually you know Right. trying another method and again i get it i'm not a parent and i know parenting is difficult and i i totally get that and i'm not trying to judge the people out there that use some spanking i'm not like going on an anti-spanking tirade but i do think that in general uh the more you're hit as a kid the more you'll hit as an adult probably yeah and it's just like that that just general kind of like tension that that, that causes you know people to i one of the things that i think you know like is that we obviously you know we're talking about liberty and whatnot it's like with our government, I mean, you know, they're they're kind of hostile. They use force and coercion and, and aggression to kind of get their way. And it's like, well, how does that affect how does that affect people, you know, living under that condition? Is that traumatic? You know, what what does that do to somebody's psyche, you know, to be living under kind of a hostile uh, you know, in a, in a hostile area. Um, I, I was just thinking when you that's were That's a really interesting analogy. I mean, it, you could look at in many ways and not look there are some there are probably a lot of terrorists who are just simply evil people out to do evil things but there's probably a lot of terrorists who have been so abused in a sense by american bombs um by soldiers patrolling their neighborhoods maybe shooting their family members busting into their homes uh that have been abused or or maybe literally abused in abu Ghraib or something like that right. where you're abused so much the only thing you can can know is violence and response and that i mean that's very similar to i think how a, a lot of abused children turn out yeah, so that was the, that was always kind of the, the you know the violence thing, the the aggression, like that was the the thing that really always stuck out to me when I first started approaching you know the ideas of liberty. I was like, oh yeah, like this totally makes sense. Like, don't hit people and don't take their stuff. Like that seems that's what we're all taught, you know, from teachers and you know society in general when we're when we're children and things like that. So yeah, well that 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 seems like it makes sense. And then if you just stick to that logic and apply it to all areas of life, then it it seems like it makes sense what was the first kind of uh you know and and i should just say by the way like you know i grew up kind of opposite of you i was in new york and you know my parents are democrats and uh teachers and so i just was like oh yeah okay and and it was like during the bush era where it's like well obviously bush is evil so you know it was just this republican always seemed like the butt end of a joke you know so it just seemed like the people on the left the liberals they were the ones that always wanted peace and i kind of came into this whole thing on like an anti-war position. And then I was like, oh, wait, oh, there are these libertarian people. Oh, that's crazy. I didn't know about that. So what was, what was your thing? What, what, what gave you the, the introduction to, to liberty? It's really funny you say that because I, I, I'll get to that in a second. But I did I did eventually get into libertarianism largely because of anti-war beliefs, too, which which is not how I 
was, you know, sort of raised. I mean, my dad wasn't raving about war, but he's a military guy. He generally, you know, quote unquote, supported the troops. He was in favor of the Iraq war. Uh, not uh, not oh, the second one, but I mean, I mean, when, when I was a kid, I remember the first one. He was like, yeah, we got to go get this guy. So, you know, I was definitely raised in an environment where that was fine. You know, war was not uh, it was not an anti-war environment by any means, but I kind of came upon that on my own. Um, so, yeah. So in college, um, kind of two things happen at once. Um, one was a friend of mine, Howie Snowden, uh, who uh, is a member of the Lions Liberty. He's been on a lot of our podcasts. Members of people that listen to our show know, are definitely familiar with him. He was a friend of mine in college. And uh, when he was a, in high school, he was a page in, in Congress, a, a con- congressional page uh, for a Democrat, actually. But, you know, as a page, you get to you interact with a lot of different congressmen. And he just kept telling me about this one old, like old dude named Ron Paul he used to hang out with. Like he'd go to his office and he'd like sit there and like he would tell him about his books and stuff like that and like talk about liberty. I was like, really? He just like hung out with this like congressman? That's, That's awesome. weird, but okay. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, he, the way like I could see his passion talking about this guy, I was like, this is so crazy. Uh, why would he be this passionate about it? Maybe I should look into him. And then I, I started looking up uh, reading Ron Paul had a weekly column. I'm not sure if he still does, but it's called Texas Straight Talk. And it was uh, just him like shooting the shit on um, whatever the politics of the day was. So I started reading that simply because Howie told me I should read this guy. And um, he's a Republican, so it was like an easy transition for me coming from that Republican side of things. But what struck me about a lot of his columns was he would spend, I think, more time, it seemed, um, criticizing Republicans than Democrats. And that just blew my mind because I had never I had grown up with no Republicans. They're on the same team. They just they all agree with everything ever in the whole world. And they disagree with Democrats on every other thing in the world. And that's it's that simple. There's really nothing more to it. So it did blow my mind a little bit to see, wait, wait a minute. This is this guy's like criticizing everybody like that's that's not normal. And so that got me to think a little bit more about like, what does this guy believe? Like what's at his core? Why is he doing this? And, uh, uh, the same around the same time, how he gave me a book, um, uh, Harry Brown, how to live free in an unfree world. Mm. And that's not, it, it's a political book in a way, but it's more, it's more like how you can live a freer life. Um, right. outside of the confines of government. It's not really philosophical about why you'd want to do that as much as just how you would do it. And I just found that entire take on things really interesting. So that kind of, I didn't become a libertarian at that point, but it planted some seeds that I, I thought were fairly interesting. <clears throat> yeah, I thought- but around that time. Yeah, Harry, Harry, I was just going to say, Harry Brown just seemed so friendly and approachable and such a good salesman for liberty. You know, he was- he Yeah, was, I mean, he was literally a salesman for a living. I actually read yeah. one of his books on, on sales and it's an amazing book. I mean, I, I don't remember the name offhand, but it shouldn't be hard to find. But um, yeah, look up Harry Brown sales and, and you'll find it. Uh, yeah, he was a great salesman in, gener- in life. That was how he- built his career and then he was a great salesman for liberty and that that's why he ended up uh, you know i think he ran two presidential campaigns and mm-hmm. i do remember seeing him even back then even in 2000 i do remember seeing like an appearance of him on meet the press and just thinking like wow this guy makes sense like this yeah. guy actually makes sense he's making he's not just like repeating um political phrases like everyone else does he's actually just you know making logical arguments which is just it so it shouldn't be mind blowing, but that was very mind blowing because that's not what you saw in politics. And I think that between Harry Brown and Ron Paul, it helped me realize how bullshit most politics was, how bullshit the entire left, right, Republican, Democrat thing was. And I start, I definitely started to get that sense. And this was around the time uh, that I woke up on, I, I believe it was a Tuesday morning and I woke up, uh, somebody sent me an, I, an AOL instant message, AIM, uh, for, for those old folks that, that used that back in the day. Um, uh, hey, turn on the TV. I'm like, what channel? Like, just turn on TV. It was like somebody else in my house. And I turned it on and, you know, 
I saw 9-11 happening. I saw a plane hit. A t- I, I first heard about a plane. I, I Like everyone else, I pictured a tiny little plane just sticking, you know, some little goofy guy just right. from, from, rolled into the tower and what, you know. And I you know, saw that this was definitely more than that. And then live on TV, saw that other plane hit. And as you can imagine, blew my fucking mind. I mean, I just could not even believe what I was seeing that um, somebody in the world, some group of people, somebody hated people so much hated the people in this tower or this country or something enough to just kill themselves and kill thousands and thousands of people and that really got me thinking like why it can't it can't just be because they're evil and we're good because i've already started to think that this is a little bit of bullshit so how can that possibly be that simple so i, I mean i didn't I wasn't thinking that that day but you know as time time uh, that day i was you know the next day i was i was basically you know with george bush like go get them you know uh, hugging all the firefighters i mean i was all in on that i mean i was i was so caught up in the emotion of of feeling attacked feeling like my family my country was attacked i definitely felt that way back then um but you know eventually i think the change for me started to come when i turned on the news and it was all about how, you know, I, I remember seeing they were all from Saudi Arabia. Okay. Um, I don't know much about that country. I know it exists. And, uh, but we're going to bomb this other place, Afghanistan. And I had heard of it. I knew it existed. I kind of remember Bill Clinton had bombed it once, but I didn't know much about that either. And it really made me realize, hey, I need to start learning some stuff. Like, like if I'm going to understand this at all or even begin to, I have to know, like, what has led to this. And that just started a journey where I... Uh, eventually turn into like a YouTube, you know, rabbit hole journey where you're watching a million videos. But even yeah. before that, I just started reading a lot of articles about, you know, foreign policy. I read a lot of Ron Paul stuff on foreign policy, and I, it really started to click with me that what we just talked about, that a lot of the time, that, you know, America is not the golden princess, or the golden king or whatever of the world that I, we're raised to believe it is. Um, and that's not to say it's all on the opposite side and all bad either. But the world's not black and white. The United States government has not operated in a black and white in a way in its history. And it's done a lot of bad things to a lot of people. And it's hurt a lot of innocent people. And, uh, you know, at some point, some of those people are, you know, are act out much, much like the abused child will eventually probably act out. So will these abused people. And, and even as I say this, I start to think, man, this sounds like I'm just sympathetic to people that, you know, do terror, do terrorist acts. And I'm not at all. I mean, my, my whole thing is about ending these cycles of violence, but to end something, to fix something, you have to understand it. And you can't, you have to separate the idea of I'm attacked. My country's attacked. And that the, the emotion that goes along with it, which is very difficult to do as mm-hmm. humans, um, and, and start to really think, look at things in, in a critical way, and and think, what would I do? You know, what what if I was raised in a village, in in or not a village or a town, whatever, in Iraq, and when I was twelve, uh, my house was bombed, and I'm the only survivor, and my entire family was dead, and all the bombs said United States on them, and then 10, 12 years later, when I'm a twenty-two year old uh, running a little shop in Baghdad, my shop gets blown up, and the United States comes in. A again and kills all half of my friends and now they're patrolling my streets and these dudes are pointing guns at me everywhere i go at some point i might snap at some point these isis guys rolling in might seem like the guys to join up with if they're opposing these guys and that, that i mean that understanding that is is so critical to understanding the way the world works and the way humans work and y- y- it doesn't justify the acts but you have to understand it you have to start to understand the motivations of people if you're ever going to stop the cycles of violence yeah, I mean, I think you you hit the nail on the head where you, you have to understand how humans act and how we act and we, we behave in the world. And it's like, 
it could be difficult a lot of times to kind of put yourself in the position of the other because with all the news, the, the you know, the, the cable 24-hour news cycle of the, the graphics and the terror alert and the, you know, just the way that they present it and the repetition of what they say and, and, and how it's it's delivered to us in a, in a way to kind of, you know, induce fear to, to boost ratings so people tune in so they can sell ads. And it's this whole kind of thing that I think develops just naturally because of the way that the process is. But it really, it you know, it we definitely dehumanize, the, you know, the other people. And so, you know, I remember after that period of time, you know, hearing people say, well, let's just nuke the whole area. Let's just nuke the Middle East. Like, who cares? Like, they're all savages, you know. And one of my favorite comedians of all time, Greg Giraldo, who, who passed away actually a while ago, but he used to say, you know, what's the difference? You know, I think really the difference is that over there they go, la, 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 la. he's like, you know, <laughs> so we just look at that and go, nah, I don't like that. Let's, let's, let's. Well, that's weird. So they yeah. they must be terrible. Exactly. That's weird. They must all be terrorists. They must all Meanwhile, be you look at they, they they look at images of like Americans at a football game like dressed crazy and just going rah, yeah, rah, and they're like, "Wow, so what fucking savages? Jesus. <laughs> What's wrong right. with these people?" Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's having that having that perspective and having that kind of human connection, I think that is really important, you know. I think that just understanding that uh that we're all we're all people, you know, we're all the same and a lot of times we're motivated by very similar things like you know, imagine if if some if we had tanks rolling down the streets here and things like that. I think that you would see people here, you know, being radicalized, you know, quote unquote radicalized or whatever. Go maybe going over there or something. You know, if the situation were reversed, how would we behave? I, I like that you you know pointed that out. Um, yeah, I guess while while we're on this this topic, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, this this of course one of the defining probably the defining terrorist attack and moment of, of our time. Um, and then, you know, after the, after that, I think you actually tweeted something today about, uh, you know, cause now this mass shooting in Las Vegas has happened and all, you know, it's just hysteria and the same kind of pattern happens. And anytime one of these major events happen, you know, the news cycles go and the celebrities are crying and the pleas for justice and then this and that come. And I think you, you tweeted something that said, what, what passing laws and heated post-tragedy times gets you unlimited surveillance and seven wars no oh right yes. yeah i did i did tweet that. yeah yeah and it's and it's it's just it's it's so um i thought that was you know that was a good good can tweet a good tweet because immediately you know this so we'll talk about this this mass shooting that happened in, in las vegas because it's just such a horrific tragic event that happened and then all of a sudden you see you know it's it's guns like we have to we have to pass legislation we have to ban guns because obviously it, you know that's the problem that's the issue here uh and it it seems to me that like you know the mainstream media comes out with this narrative or or just maybe doesn't dig into it too much and it's just like there was a guy he went crazy we don't really know the motive but all these people are dead you know and uh, we got to we got to do something about the gun problem in America and then the internet's a buzz and everybody on the you know they try and present it like it's this black and white issue and you have the people on the left and the people on the right you know saying it's the guns we got to pass gun laws and then the, no no one's taking my guns and then everybody's just screaming and yelling at each other and who knows if we ever get to the bottom of this stuff so i know you 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 know you didn't really get a chance to dig into it too much and and to be quite honest i, I didn't really either but uh but yeah i mean what what's going on in america where we have have you know these mass shootings all the time now it just seems to be a part of a normal thing like it's just like oh another mass shooting what what's 
What's happening, Mark Claire? Tell me the, well, give me the answers. <laughs> I'll give you all the answers in, in 30 seconds. Um, you know, there's, there's a couple of ways to look at it, but I mean, the first one is, and I, I think it, I, like, I, like I will feel callous saying this and, but it's true. You know, this is not a common event, despite the fact that it feels like one. Right. Um, and despite the fact that people will say there's been a mass shooting more than every day and it's this year. And they, it's really a very disingenuous uh, line of, of, of um, thought that's been put out there lately where they've redefined mass shooting so many times that now, you know, if a, if a couple dudes get into an argument in a parking lot and they shoot each other and, and three or like four people are shot, I guess, you know, that's a mass shooting. And that's, that's literally put in the exact same category as what happened in Las Vegas or as what happened at the Pulse shooting. Um, and that's so very disingenuous that uh, like there is certainly a problem with violence. I don't like to equate gun violence as a special category. I don't know why there is an obsession with gun violence. I guess, I I guess on a human level, on an emotional level, I do understand it because yeah, guns can look scary. Like someone getting shot is scary. Like that is scary as shit. Like, I mean, come on, this one little pull, somebody could just go up to me and point this thing at my head and pull a little button and I'll be dead. And I'll be dead just like that because this little piece of metal just flew through my brain. That is an emotionally very scary thought on a base level. So in, in, a, in a way, I definitely do emphasize with people who fear guns and, um, you know, I want to ban them. But I, I also don't think they've thought this through <laughs> at all. Or uh, most of them have not put a lot of deep thought into it. And um, it's very difficult to get people to put deep thought into things when you're hyper emotional, which is why I kind of tweeted that out, because. Look what did happen after 9-11. They, they passed two main pieces of legislation, and everyone was very emotional, and no one wanted to oppose it. I mean, except one guy, Ron Paul, opposed the Patriot Act, at least. he Even Ron Paul didn't uh, oppose the authorization for military force. He later regretted it uh, you know, when he saw what happened, but at the time, even he was sort of swept up, you could say, mm-hmm. in the emotion. Sure. Um, and. And when I referred to the, that unlimited surveillance, I'm talking about the Patriot Act, which basically opened up surveillance, a lot of which is probably already happening, to be perfectly honest. But uh, with a lot of the new technology, it's it's become easier and easier and easier. They're probably listening to us now, Mike, even though <laughs> we're going to release this podcast. They're probably listening to us now. Definitely. Um, they probably have heard. <laughs> Congratulations, any Mike Adelic or Lions Liberty fans who are in the NSA who get to hear this advance, <laughs> advance release of the episode live. Congrats. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, so we got the Patriot Act, which le- led directly or indirectly to, you know, really expanding the ability for the government to spy on people legally, completely legally and without you know specific warrants uh, and also led to the authorization for military force, uh, which has has been used to justify interventions. in let's see if I can get them all. Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, Syria, Libya, Sudan, uh, Yemen, I believe is mm-hmm. another one. Yep. Um, there's a couple I'm missing, probably, but um, I, I know we have bombed Pakistan. I don't know if it gets included in the seven wars list because that wasn't really a war, but we do some drone bombing in Pakistan as well. Mm-hmm. I know I'm missing a couple countries, but I shouldn't. You know, I shouldn't because it's so ridiculous that we're bombing enough countries that I can forget a couple. You know, we, right. we, I mean, it's, it's really crazy, um, but it has led to, you know, this is supposed to be a focused thing that was for finding these specific people that uh, did 9-11. Meanwhile, weeks later, weeks later, I'm talking weeks later, George Bush is at a press conference telling people how it's not really important. We get not, we get Osama bin Laden. This is about a bigger thing. This is about fighting terrorism around the world. And that that I mean, it's 
at least it's actually one of the more honest things that he's ever said. It is about fighting around the world. And um, and that's not even to mention all of the interventions we don't really talk about because they're not public and they're not wars. But we've had secret. We've had troops that have operated in um in multiple countries in Africa, uh, special forces that have been in Africa fighting supposed terrorist groups there, or maybe real terrorist groups. I'm not saying they're all supposed, but you know, there's always an enemy to fight, and they always happen to be living right around a bunch of nat- natural resources. So that right. that's uh, that that's uh, an interesting coincidence. But you know, when when all of these laws, if you told everybody, here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna pass a law that says the U.S. government can go to war any point in time with whoever it wants. All they have to do is just kind of point and say it's about terrorism, and then we're gonna pass this other law that says you can spy on everyone at any time for any reason, as long as you, again, say it has something to do with terrorism. If you said that on uh, September 10th, 2001, people would think that was a terrible idea, I think, I hope. Uh, but when you say it on 912, everyone, everyone's in. We gotta do it. Yeah. You know? And it's kind of the same thing now. This is the I'll I'll go with the line. It's the worst mass shooting. I mean, people have mentioned wounded knee as a bigger mass shooting. That's the, was the government killing a bunch of Native Americans. But if, as far as our current context, it is like the biggest one of these incidents where someone just goes and, and shoots a bunch of people. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm seeing the same kind of fervor, and, and I know it's a, a bit exaggerated because of where I live out here in Los Angeles, and the people I interact with are probably the on the most extreme end possible of this. But I'm seeing the same kind of fervor, the same kind of just do something, just fix this. How can you oppose fixing this? And that that really is the argument to any kind of questioning of of any proposals of banning guns or changing gun laws or anything like that. The the biggest thing I get is how could you possibly oppose this? You know how how could you be so heartless? And it, it's a purely emotional argument. And you know when we're only thinking with emotion, we're gonna we're gonna act the least rationally. Right. Yeah, no, I know. And it's it just because it, it is one of these things where like I could see myself maybe, you know, 10, 15 years ago being on that side as well, because it's like clearly, obviously, I mean, come on, people, we got to do something about this. But I think people are just so kind of confused or just, you know, and, and in this emotional state where they just want something to be done, even if it's just this symbolic gesture or, or whatever that, you know, we're going to ban certain kinds of weapons or something that that it will just make them feel good. But I just don't think that this could have been something that could have been prevented. Um, and, you know, a lot of the points that I was making was that it's like, you know, this maybe this is a symptom of living in an empire. You know, we have this empire, this global empire where, you know, look, we we produce the most amount of weapons, you know, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, all these weapons manufacturers. We sell billions of dollars of arms to countries like Saudi Arabia. I mean, that we like yeah. you said like you said the terrorists were at and stuff. And then, you know, over the years we hear about all of these like deep state coups and operations and, you know, even uh CIA uh, MK Ultra plans and mind control. I think there's a new Netflix show about it uh, and, and about this kind of stuff. And you know, Ooh, I'll uh, check that out. Yeah, it's it's called Wor- Wormwood by um, I forgot the guy's name, but he's a pretty famous director. He he directed that 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 movie uh, with uh, Donald Rumsfeld, where a documentary about Donald Rum- Rumsfeld, like uh, the the uh, the unseen the unknown knowns or whatever. Um, er- Errol Morris is his name. Errol Morris, yeah. Uh, but it's like we, you know, over time these things come out and we find out about these things, you know, about you know FBI doing you know whatever with Martin Luther King and this and that and, and right. all these things they kind of seep out and now with the internet it's like you can find out these things. So anyway, my point is that it's like 
what the hell is going on with with our country where these kinds of things are happening and you know i think the conversation has to be at a deeper level obviously it's not ban guns i mean that's just obviously not what it is uh i think it's something something a little bit deeper than that and uh so do do you know any any of the kind of uh details about this uh, particular mass shooting that just happened well, if you don't mind, I'm going to take this in a little weird direction. Oh, sure. Please. Do, yeah. Do you, have you ever heard of a guy called uh, uh, William, Bill Cooper? William Cooper? Yeah. I think he was called Bill Cooper. He was kind of Alex Jones, pre-Alex Jones, without like being hyperbolic. He was a very like steady-spoken. He had a radio show. Uh, and he wrote a book called Behold a Pale Horse. He actually, I believe he was killed by police. I believe it was just after 9-11. I could be wrong. It might have been just before. Um, he is... Someone that some people say predicted 9-11. Some mm. people say that Alex Jones predicted 9-11 too. But Bill Cooper does have a thing where he said there, there's going to be an attack, a major terrorist attack. They're going to blame it on, on Osama bin Laden, and it's going to be the, the uh, impetus for war and uh, and whatever. Uh, anyway, he had a book called Behold a Pale Horse. Part of that book, and, and, and I remember it very distinctly, uh, very vividly, and it's before – I remember reading this. Even before all these recent shootings, I would say maybe Sandy Hook is like the first of the modern shootings or maybe Colorado – um, he said there will be shootings in schools, in public places, in uh, in open areas, and these will be used to justify the banning of guns and the taking away of rights and the the creation and the implementation of the total police state. That's a paraphrase, of course, uh, but that that I distinctly remember that. Now, there's a lot of other weird stuff in that book, and that's why it's a weird direction. Because if anybody looks it up, they're going to find a bunch of weird shit, <laughs> including aliens and all sorts of other things. Good, so, we, we like weird. Know. Weird's good. <laughs> Yes. Well, I'm on Mycadelic. See, I can get there, super weird. There you that's, go. That's yeah. why. That's why I was so excited about this interview. Because you know, on Lions of Liberty, you know, it's 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 a show about libertarianism. I'm trying to teach people about the ideas of liberty, and I'm trying not to scare people away too much right away. Anyway, you know, if you get scared away eventually, because I say guns should all be legal, including automatic weapons, then fine, be scared at that point. Uh, and if you have to, if you have to, leave, if you depart at that point, fine. But I don't want to necessarily bombard them with my, you know, my weird, my weird stuff right away. Well, that's we, why I come yeah, on like a deli. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what we want to do. We want to bombard you with weirdness. But but really, mm-hmm. I mean, in, in all honesty, it's like I I think that you know keep being keeping an open perspective and and really kind of one of the things that I think is so fundamental about you know once you discover discover libertarian ideas once you uh kind of awaken whatever way uh, that is and I know that there's a lot of people out there that definitely credit psychedelics to kind of like shining a, a, a light maybe and one of the things that I play in the introduction to this show is that from Terrence McKenna where he says psychedelics aren't illegal because a a loving government cares that you might jump out of a third story window. (laughs) Psychedelics are illegal because they decondition you to the 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 cultural rules and norms that that you've been conditioned to accept as normal. You know, so it's like we live in this world where, you know, where our belief systems, our values, our our, everything is being conditioned to uh, accept a certain kind of paradigm. You know, the government loves you, they're looking out for you, you know, this is this is what you should accept and believe you know we would never you know they they attacked us for our freedom well why else there's no other reason you know the blah 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 and all this stuff so so yeah i mean you know i think it's important to to understand like once you understand one simple thing i think is that you know from a libertarian perspective is that you know that the government relies on force and coercion has a a monopoly on violence and that is that is the essential kind of raw you know, boiled down to the core fu- fundamental truth about what they are. Uh, once you understand that, then 
there then I'm not surprised about any of these things that you know the, any of these kinds of conspiracies or whatever gets gets floated out there. I'm willing to entertain them as ideas. Uh, I'm not willing to to declare that they're true because it's I, I like to see right. evidence, but I'm willing to be open to asking the questions, to having the conversation, to engaging in the dialogue. Um, well, and where, that's what happens with all these all these events. There's always okay. There's it happens. It's on the news. And then within seeming hours, you got the whole story. It's right out there. The the media puts it all out, and we figured it out. It's this one guy. He went he went nuts. He bought a bunch of guns to Vegas. He shot a bunch of people. You don't need to know anything else. And then after that very initial period, if you question any of that, you are the crazy person. You are the crazy person for saying, wait, well, what about this video I just saw where I heard gun- they hear a lot of gunfire, and they're running, and it's really close, and then they hear gunfire over there, and then they hear it close again. That doesn't seem like it's coming from the same place. Yeah. And maybe... Maybe it's an echo effect, and I just don't know enough about that kind of stuff to to you know realize that. And I'm totally open to that. But with a lot of people, even asking that question, well, you're nuts. Like, yeah, how how, 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 how dare you? This is not a time to to do that. We should be you know sending our thoughts and, and prayers. And if anything, this yeah. is the time to figure out what just happened. That is the time. This is definitely the time. It's not the time to pass crazy new laws. It's the time to figure out what happened, and then you can more more honestly address it. legislation wise or otherwise that wouldn't be the path i'd recommend unless we're talking about repealing laws but you know yeah so i posted this thing on my facebook uh someone wrote uh by the name of matthew rothbard of all last names what a great last name uh i know this character (laughs) he's a listener of our program oh cool so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna read this thing that he posted but um not his real last name I, I assumed, yeah. <laughs> but what, and, He's Murray's son. He's here, bringing us continuous knowledge. <laughs> yeah, great hero of liberty. Uh, and then I posted, so I posted this thing, and then one of my friends like commented, like, "Oh, great, another truther thing or something." And I was like, "You know what? I'm like, I, I really, I hate that. I hate that, like that, that name, truther." First of like, all, why like, is yeah, why is that a slur? Right. Like, if you want truth, that should be the uh, the good thing, right? Yeah, and it's like, you know why? I know because it's like when you get into this world where you're questioning the official narratives, it's a spectrum, right? It's like a wide spectrum from like mm-hmm. David Icke, like reptiles rule over us, right. to like Alex Jones, like this is like SJW, Antifa, like liberal thing, George to Soros. Paul Joseph Watson. <laughs> yeah, to like, yeah, exactly. To like the Western civilization crumbling. Uh, it's <laughs> There's all of the, it's just, the, it's this spectrum, you know, it's all the flat earthers, right? So it's it's like this crazy spectrum of wacko nut jobs, conspiracy people. But then there's like just the people that are like, hey, you know, there's something going on here. We want to find out the truth. So what's so wrong with that? Why does that have to be painted in such a negative light? And then, you know, the other thing is this conspiracy name got all muddied and everything because of, I think, a lot of wackos in, in the scene. But it's like, yeah, I mean, do you ever think that what's maybe, funny about that? Maybe maybe people that term- would conspire, you know, <laughs> like what? Why the not? term conspiracy theory is a conspiracy theory. Whoa. <laughs> it's not even a theory. There's actually stuff that came out about that. I heard about um, that. There's documents that were released. You know, It's amazing. The government always, like 40 years later, releases a bunch of documents that prove a bunch of conspiracies, and then people continue to say it's crazy to believe any of them, even when some of them are literally admitted sometimes. Like MKUltra, that's a fact. That's not, right. uh, it's not a, it might, it, what's speculative is whether it was successful, whether any of the, you know, the brainwashed people carried out assassinations. That part is definitely speculative. 
But what is a fact is that MK Ultra happened. Like they had a, a, a program where they literally tried to brainwash people to turn them into killers using drugs. That is a fact. It's undeniable. Even the government doesn't deny it. And right. yet, if you bring up something even like that, even something that is literally a fact that you can point to people, the the, the documents, like Alex Jones might say, I got the documents. <laughs> I have the have documents. The <laughs> I mean, some of this stuff, we do have the documents. Not all of the stuff Alex Jones says, but some of this stuff, we do have the documents. But um, yeah, but one of the things that came out too was that the CIA crafted the term conspiracy theory in order to uh, lump it in with all the crazy stuff because there's certainly tons of crazy stuff. I might even argue mostly crazy stuff, but but that doesn't mean that every question questioning of anything is being a conspiracy theorist in that sense or like, you know, if, if I if I'm not sure exactly what happened on Sunday night in Las Vegas, it doesn't mean that I believe lizard people control the world, but right. they will all put you into that same category. And that was actually a planned conspiracy. You right. might yeah, say. that. No, I remember reading that somewhere. And 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 yeah, it's like to discredit, you know, discredit us and, and, and stuff. So it makes sense. You know, these are smart people. I remember being at Liberty Fest uh, a couple of years ago and or one of those conferences. I forget which one it was. And Bob Murphy was was talking. And he was saying something like, you know, a lot of people think like, oh, these, you know, these knuckleheads in Washington, they just they just can't get it done. They're just a bunch of knuckleheads. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> they're all confused and they're just idiots. And it's like, you know, no, like they know what they're doing. And that's part of the of the misdirect and part of the distraction that they want to make you think that, you know, and it's like, well, I think that's part of Trump's power. I think oh, he's probably yeah. better at it than anyone ever in history, because everyone I work with and who are all liberals and whatever, they're all California liberal hippies like I would have been if I was actually raised here. Uh, they all firmly believe that Trump is just a total fucking idiot that just dumbed his ass into office. And man, if you really oppose Donald Trump, you got to really um, know. It's the same thing of understanding the cause of terrorism. You have to really know what you're working with, because if you think that you're a, that you're just there's just a buffoon up there just has no idea what he's doing. You're not going to be able to properly oppose that person, because that, I can tell you that is not the case. This man, whatever you think of him, did not just like stumble his way into uh, into his into his money, into his success, into his fame, into the presidency. You don't do that. Right. No one does that. Right. You cannot do it. Okay. You know, like Tim, but like the dumbest, think of the dumbest guy, you know, and that's how dumb people think Donald Trump is. That guy does not stumble his way to shit because <laughs> dumb people who are really as dumb as they think Donald Trump is don't do a goddamn thing. Yeah. They don't do anything. He stumbles. They just, they, way, maybe, uh... maybe they get a job and they keep it for a few weeks. Like, come on, right, right. stop it. You got to stop it. Yeah. And you know, you're just not seeing, you know, you're not understanding it's, it relates right back to the terrorism thing from before. I mean, you're not understanding your opponent. I, it's perfectly fine to oppose Donald Trump. I don't agree with, I can't think of many, if any political positions of his that I'm like, yeah, I agree with that. But when the opposition is all about how he's dumb and stupid and an asshole and whatever, and sure he's an asshole, we'll give you that, but you're not going to get anywhere. You know, you're just going to be digging, digging a hole further and further because you're not going to take him seriously and you're not going to think he's actually going to get anything done when, I mean, legislatively, they haven't gotten anything done. And not, but I mean, he's getting things done in in some ways, in some weird ways, in some persuasive ways, you might say. So, I mean, he's definitely I don't know if he's an effective president in the, the traditional sense that people want to judge that by. Uh, but he's 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 changing the way politics is looked at and it maybe in some ways maybe it's a good thing to get more people involved in politics in another way i don't know maybe it's dumbing things down even more because to, to me most people that are oppose him can't have a rational argument and i feel like even like yeah even george bush obama i could talk to critics of either side and you know it could be a it could be a civil discussion it could be rational i could understand them there's i see what i see now with trump is this 
no, just no reason, just blind rage and hatred. And just, this guy's a moron. And, you know, we know, right. To add the, those half the country's racist and they voted for this idiot because they're idiots and we're smarter. And, you know, we just have to resist until we can get power back and impose our smartness on the world. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think, and because I remember, you know, it, during the Bush like era, like the people who were opposing, like it seemed like they were a little bit more intelligent and a little bit more critical of of what was going on in a smarter way. And now it just, yeah, it's like this blind rage of just like, oh, this buffoon, this idiot. And I really just think it boils down to the optics and everything, like the way he yeah. talks and the way he looks and the things that he says. I mean, that's that's all it is. You know, it's just that. Sure. Yeah, but I think that that was what I was. I think I was getting to before I got a little sidetracked in my rant there. But I think that's part of his. Uh, plan you might say i think part it part of his image right. is being the buffoon like he wants people to think he's a buffoon how much easier is it to defeat an M enemy if they don't know your tactics you know it's the it's the art of war it's sun Tzu. you know you, you want to disguise yourself in, in every way this is a brilliant man i mean people are gonna harass me for saying it i'm not saying he's a good man no but he's a brilliant man i, I think he's in, extremely intelligent actually and i think part of his mask is this buffoon who accidentally tweets kafefe or whatever you know I, I think that that's really why he's you know able to possibly and I would predict probably maintain power for eight years here because I think he's much, much smarter than people give him credit for. But being the dumb buffoon is part of his gimmick. It's part of his thing. Yeah. And I and I think that they, so you this is like you have this guy and he kind of maybe takes a lot of the energy away from the power that he inhabits, like the power that he presides over the 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 state you know, power that he has, which is really what, what people, what I would, I would hope people would focus more on, not necessarily the man himself, the president, but the whole kind of nature of this thing that we call government. I mean, one of the things that Ron Paul always used to say is we should be asking you know, the questions, what is the fundamental role of government in our lives? And it's not necessarily just up to one person. I mean, there's there's branches, there's committees, there's lobbyists, then, you know, not to mention this whole deep state, which uh, I'm glad got, you know, kind of popularized recently. I mean, I was kind of aware of that before, but I'm glad it kind of came out. And, um, you know, it's something that I, I don't think many people really totally understand how that works. You know, it's like we have, we spend $800 billion or whatever a year on the quote unquote defense budget and then you know 80 billion for 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 the intelligence community and that's not even including all these like black ops budgets and all this. it's like what do you think yeah. they're doing you know this this unelected power that presides just outside the beltway it's like what what do you think these these big agencies and all this stuff and this this corporate lobbying and the the bank like what this is a big oh they're just big, sitting in an office si analyzing data innocently right mm -hmm. yeah just, i don't know i think that probably wouldn't cost <laughs> like 80 billion plus whatever else yeah so my point is that there's a lot going on here and and i think that it's hard for people to kind of really go and, and see a lot of this stuff but let me i want to get to this thing because i think it's a good idea to to maybe read some of this and just kind of question the official narrative this oh yeah that was like 10 shooting. minutes ago yeah i know i know huh? got a little side it's okay <laughs> sure you get sidetracked but that's part of the fun yeah it's no problem but i i just think it's important to ask these questions you know especially in a, in a, in a time like this where there's such a horrific event has happened it's like we should really be looking at all the facts so this guy posted this uh shout out to matthew rothbard he says, I, I literally don't have any idea what to believe about any of this. I just know skepticism is pretty much my default position, and a lot of this seems really weird. A retired 64-year-old multimillionaire who spends his days traveling to – he's talking about Stephen Paddock, the, uh, the shooter – spends his days traveling to Vegas and Dubai – with his thick, yeah, right, uh, alleged shooter, and uh, spends his time traveling to Vegas and Dubai with his thick 
Asian sex toy uh, and gambling <laughs> and gambling lives in a half a million dollar house is a pilot who owns two airplanes and hunts big game in Alaska decides to commit a mass shooting at a Jason Alden concert and then commits suicide when the cops arrive he has no military experience he manages to exquisitely plan his attack he books two connecting rooms that offer multiple firing positions overlooking the concert months in advance while his Asian girlfriend just happens to book a trip to the Philippines at the same time he books them in his Asian girlfriend name so that his name as a big time gambler won't trigger the casino's computer and give comps and draw him attention he acquires oh, aut- I didn't know that he that part yeah, he, go, go he, he acquires automatic weapons somehow and knows how to put tripods and optics on them he moves it all up to the hotel room three days in advance keeps it hidden from housekeeping hidden from security no security camera footage has been released he brings a tool to smash the windows instead of shooting through them he does enough recon to on the site to realize they close all of the entrances at the concert area but one at 10 so he starts shooting at just after 10 so people have fewer exits to escape through he even thinks of perimeter security sets up gopros connected to a tablet so he can watch police arrive he thinks of everything then he starts shooting at this point despite such uh, detailed planning he starts to fuck everything up he he sustains fire until the drum is empty instead of firing controlled bursts degrading the effectiveness of his fire he only has one drum and then has to switch to 30 round magazines that means more time reloading less time shooting his room is too high up which increases distance to the target and makes his fire more plunging than grazing and degrading its effectiveness he doesn't know how to use an automatic weapon he doesn't know the first thing about it how can someone who knows nothing about something so fundamental be able to plan the rest of the operation in such precise detail something isn't right who is who is this professional who planned it for him how do they get this guy with no criminal record and a life full of wealth sex and adventure to do something like this so I thought that was pretty well, shit, interesting. When you put it like that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And none of that is even saying it's not true. It's just saying this seems weird. It's exactly, yeah. It seems strange, and it does. I mean, if you don't think it seems weird, I, I don't know what planet you live on. Of course, it's weird. You know, it doesn't mean it's not true. It doesn't mean that he wasn't. Maybe he was just a millionaire who, you know, we all know money doesn't really buy any happiness. So maybe he just because a lot of people say he's a millionaire. Why do you want to kill himself? Like, I'm not going to say that. Like plenty of uh, rich celebrities have killed themselves. So let's not say that 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 means anything. Um, But, you know, it does when he put all the details together, it does seem odd to me. Um, And especially the thing about you know, booking the adjoining rooms and he had two windows that were like nine windows apart. So was he running between the rooms shooting right. this whole, like in this five, it's only a five minute, I think 40 second period of the, the shooting went on only. I mean, shit, that's a long time for, for being shot at. Um, I think know, it was nine. I don't want to I think downplay said, anything. It, I think they said it was nine minutes, but yeah, it was, yeah, I may have the times wrong, you know, yeah, well, but um, yeah, it was, it was, it wasn't like hours or anything. We're going to have know, a was, lot of things wrong because it's so impossible. Right. It's almost impossible to know, but it's like, you know, it's just like, I, I don't know. I, I personally was like, really like, struck when i heard this because it's just i'm i i hate hearing about these kinds of things because i know that afterwards it's just not going to get better i mean it's there's going to be what what's going to happen now right i mean there and, and the other thing is like it's it's vegas right like they have metal detectors and security cameras and you can't go anywhere without being surveilled they don't have anything on this guy and it's just cameras everywhere every casino oh my god yeah the gambling reasons has 
has footage everywhere. No, I found it really interesting, Mike. Like yesterday, I saw uh, footage they had. They showed, oh, the suspected shooter, alleged shooter, Stephen Paddock. Uh, uh, here's footage of him from 2011 in a Vegas hotel falling down, and they show him like they show a picture. Uh, it's grainy, you know, grainy security footage of him falling down. Like he obviously looks like he's drunk. He falls down. And he gets back up and like goes in his elevator. Like nothing, you know, nothing crazy there. They're just showing that he exists, I guess. Like, I don't know what the point is, but to me, it's like, wait a minute. So they went and found and dug through footage from 2011, like seven years ago and found this little piece of footage, but there's not a damn thing they've released from, uh, you know, any footage of the last four days he spent at the fucking Mandalay Bay. Right. Yeah. And, and maybe it'll come out and maybe I'll be that, that will answer the question. Like, I'm open to that. Like, sure. I, yeah. I hope we see footage that proves the story or I mean, I, I don't want it to be proven or not proven. I just want, as always, when it comes to philosophy or facts, I want to know the real truth. Yeah. And if asking about for the real truth makes other people uncomfortable, I'm sorry. That's why we're here. That's why people like us are here. Because if we don't push you guys and push things towards one direction, it's only going to go the other direction. It's only going to go where no one questions anything. And that's not an acceptable world to live in. Yeah. And then speaking of one direction, the next time you might go to a one direction. Mike's favorite band, (laughs) one direction. Maybe you go. Well, the next time you go to a concert, it might be. You know, pat downs. It might be like the TSA. Take your shoes off. Right. You know. And oh, th- I'm this sure is... this is going to lead to some other stuff. Yeah, I, I, we don't. I would not be surprised at all. That's why we want the truth because it's like we want to find out what happened. We don't want to be living in this kind of like, you know, outdoor prison or, or whatever. You know, this police state uh, where ever we have to be kind of worried and 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 all this stuff all the time. Um, Since we've uh, already gone down the, the conspiracy route a little, yeah. Um, I, I did see one that I don't. I don't believe anyone or or not, but I I saw one that's interesting that adds up to me a little bit possibly because of history and and recent history. And again, stuff that we know that we factually know. Yeah. Uh, But I saw one that was uh, just like a little email that's been going around a little bit again, theory. And I have no idea if it's true. It might be totally false. I'd like to state that clearly for the audience. Um, But, you know, they said that this guy was an undercover FBI agent always like never in cover, which is why there's no history of him. I saw the government saw this as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, he was a part of a sting operation of selling, you know, black market weapons to ISIS to ISIS agents to carry out a mass shooting. And, uh, you know, this was a sting operation that got uncovered or they figured it out. They killed him. They carried out the the shooting and and got out of there and FBI is embarrassed and doesn't want to, you know, uh, they just want to say, okay, yeah, this, this rogue guy, we don't know who he is, but yeah, he went nuts. I don't know. He got, had all these guns up there and he shot a bunch of people. That's it. No more questions. But, and, and I'm not saying that's true. However, if you think about a couple things in history that we know, recent history, I would even say, I don't know the year. I think it was 2009. I could be wrong. This guy named Kurt Haskell. He was in a trial. It was the, the trial of the underwear bomber. If you remember that guy, it might've been 2007. Like mm-hmm. I said, I don't have all these facts in front of me, but, um, he was in the try. He was a witness in the trial of the underwear bomber because he witnessed the underwear bomber getting put going on the plane. And he testified under oath and has spoken at this about this at length for many years uh, that he, originally this guy was not allowed on the plane because he didn't have like the proper paperwork and the, you know, the, the agents at that airport internationally, I don't know, I think it was in England. Um, they didn't want to put him on. And then he saw FBI agents talking to the security at that airport and the FDA FBI agents put him physically put him on the plane. They said, no, he has to, he's going on the plane and he testified in court to that. Maybe he's full of shit. I don't know why a random person who's achieved nothing from saying this other than scored on the internet would say this if it weren't true. But you know, that that's one thing. And then the first World Trade Center bombing, uh, that was 
carried out by this guy, that blind shake Omar. I don't know if you remember that guy. I don't remember his full name. Mm-hmm. The blind shake. Uh, it was in the the nineties. That bomb was given to those terrorists by an FBI agent. This is not a conspiracy theory. Again, this is one of those things you can find out if you want to look it up. It was supposed to be a fake bomb and a sting operation. It's supposed to be a sting operation. Uh, turned out it was a real bomb and they really set it off. So that went wrong, quote wrong. Um, and there's, there's a lot of things like this. If you look into Oklahoma City, there's, there was a lot of FBI that we know were undercover working in a lot of these Nazi groups, these neo-Nazi groups that ended up carrying out the bombing. Uh, wherever you look, there's always, not always, often FBI involvement in, in a lot of these things as sting operations that, quote, go wrong. So to act like that's a crazy theory is crazy. Like to act like, and these are all facts. Everything I stated before is a is a fact that, is 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 it's very look upable. <laughs> so you know, that's a yeah. word I just made up. Nice, I like that. Yeah, no, you're right. So that and, doesn't make it true, but yeah. it makes it possible enough to think about it a little bit. Yes, exactly. Expand your your consciousness to accept this, uh, you know, this ex- this realm of possibility. Because, you, like you said, you know, I'm sure we can come up with so many examples throughout history. I mean, you're just you know guns, guns for hostages. You know the 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 Reagan thing, and you know the. Um, yeah. You know, uh, what was the other one that I was thinking of? It was I could, of I tongue. could, and do actually a show all on conspiracies. I only do that for the bonus people of uh, the Lions of Liberty here. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have been obsessed with this stuff for for many, many years. You Not do, because you do I a bonus show for the for the yeah, we special? do a we do a show called the Conspiracy Corner for oh, our cool. our Lions of Liberty Pride members. That's a, we do it about every month, and uh, for as little as five bucks a month, you can uh, hear all those episodes. So yeah, we do a monthly conspiracy show because I'm interested in this stuff enough to dig, do deep digs into them, but I don't want it to be part of the liberty, you know, part of the podcast feed you see publicly. Yeah. But um, it's something that our, our our paid people are really excited about. It's actually been our most popular of of the bonus stuff that we do. So oh, it's nice. great because I'm able to do them and, and do this, do the stuff that I, I find really interesting, but, you know, still keep it kind of segregated from the liberty stuff you know no, it's that's not great yeah i mean so promoted. people listening now are getting a little taste of of what you're talking about uh, and they can go the and, real yeah real they, thing yeah they, they can go and, and listen to that you know from a measured you know logical uh level-headed approach and you know i think that uh yeah i mean like you know just kind of what we were talking about i mean like these things happen like you know cia you know drug running operations and you know gary webb exposing the kind of that the the, the crack epidemic thing there's even a movie out right now with tom cruise called american made it's all about how uh they picked this guy to run drugs uh cocaine and stuff uh for the for the government for the cia and stuff so it's like these things do happen uh you know so yeah i'm, I'm willing to entertain you know all all possible theories uh, about any of this kind of stuff because especially when you just look at like what happened i mean this i mean it's so surreal some guy in the mandalay bay in the window and he's shooting these mega guns out of this concert and and it's just it's just such a crazy thing to 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 see and there are also interesting videos out there of people saying that they saw firing coming out from the lower uh level windows and stuff uh, i saw a couple of videos of that too and other people saying there were multiple shooters but like you said before they're so quick to say no this is the official story forget about all this stuff we already know and of course the guy's dead so there's no trial there's no you know prolonged investigation it's just open and shut case crazy guy that's what happened and uh no uh, you know the isis i think said they claimed it and then they were like no it wasn't isis well that was quick you know how do you know you know um so 
Yeah, it was very a lot of uh, very very interesting stuff, and uh, I'm glad we got a chance to talk about it. You know, it's just uh, I, I didn't have this plan that we were going to talk about this, but it just because it happened this week, I thought it would be important to talk about. Um, but maybe we should maybe move on to some more positive, uh, you know, <laughs> enlightening things. I, and uh, we're heading up on on an hour now, but I think I want to uh, continue a little bit more. We'll we'll talk a little bit about some stuff that I that I want to talk about, and then we'll also we're going to do a little bonus section for for my Patreon crowd. Indeed. So, um, so yeah, switching gears, it's just so hard to switch gears now from like, <laughs> how do you switch gears from massive conspiracies of, uh, FBI planned mass death? I don't know. It's a tough one. It is a tough one. Yeah. Um, very tough, but, um, well, you know, I mean, I that's guess that's why we're professionals. Damn it. Yeah, exactly. That's why they pay us the, uh, you know, <laughs> big podcast. Bucks. Yeah. Those big podcast dollars. Uh, but no, I mean, you know, this all ties into, you know, how the, the laws, uh, getting changed the, when things like this happen and, you know, this kind of this, this government rule that we, that we live under and these sorts of things. And, you know, obviously a big theme of my show is, is, is having the right to cognitive liberty because, you know, I think that, uh, I, I, you know, I'm a big cannabis enthusiast and, uh, you know, I dabble in the psychedelics here and there, I could say, (laughs) but, uh, but I think one of the benefits is that it gives you kind of like a, almost like a clean slate. I, I think that for me is, is one of the things that kind of maybe washes away a lot of gook, allows me to kind of see the world as this very new and novel thing like wait a second what what do you, what do you mean there's just these people that make these laws they just write things on a piece of paper you know and and they just <laughs> and you tell might not us have like, of that if you weren't you know sitting around thinking deeply a little yeah, bit yeah i mean i just think that there's good tools to use that kind of connect you and you brought this up before you were talking about this human connection that we have how would we feel if people were you know, uh, attacking us in our country, what would we do? So it's like, you know, look, we're all human. We all have this connection. And I, and I truly do believe that, you know, getting back to more of a, uh, you know, I guess maybe the themes of the show for me are like, I think we need to get back to more of a a community kind of, uh, living situation, decentralized, maybe uh, some form of secession or something like that, where we can really kind of organize society that works for for people in a, in a healthy and positive way. And I believe that uh, having kind of you know spiritual practice or religious practice in your life is a part of that. And for me, uh, you know, I think that uh, the psychedelics do that because they kind of connect me with this one connected humanness thing. So, for that being said. Uh, what what do you think about that what i just said and then like you know what's your kind of experience within this this realm and my first comment on that would be that it's really funny to me how many people would um that would like hear what you just said and say that's just you know that's just that those drugs are or whatever they want to call them that's just just it's tainting his mind it's making him he thinks he's seeing the world more clearly but it's really just messing up his brain and whatever how many of those same people wake up every day and the first thing they do is brew a cup of coffee so they can wake up, so they can feel a little more focused, so they can see things clearly for the rest of their day. It's the it's not the exact same thing, but it's the same fucking thing. It's mm-hmm. the same thing philosophically. It's the same thing. You're you're taking a substance that alters the way your brain is working at the moment because you want to get through your day. You want to have a little more energy. You want to have a little more focus. Same reason people take the same of those people will take tons of psychedelic, uh, not psychedelic, but um psychotropic drugs, you know, uh, for depression or right, that kind of thing, anxiety, yeah, prescriptions, yeah, pharmaceuticals, all yeah. of that will be 100% acceptable to them for no other reason than what you just mentioned there. Somebody wrote it down on paper that it was okay. Like not even on paper. They typed it in like whatever they typed it in the computer mm-hmm. and put it in, called it a law. And they said, well, these, these lists of hundreds of drugs made in these factories, 
totally fine as long as a doctor scribbles something down that you can't fucking read and then you can you know then you can use it but oh no if it's just something you grew out of the ground that is in no way regulated oh no that's messing with your brain man can't can't use that i mean it's there, there's again there's no deep thought put into this for a lot of people there's just what they know and look i don't blame everybody you know we're all we're, it's it, it we all raised in this world. We're all raised in a world that confines us in many ways. Um, you know, so I, I don't necessarily blame the victim all the time. But again, Mike, that's why we're here, right? We're, we're here to try to break some people out of their paradigms a little bit and get them thinking a little bit differently. And you're, you're one of these people that thinks it's terrible to for anybody to use marijuana or, or mushrooms or anything like that, LSD. But you have coffee and you've ever taken a painkiller or anything, uh, you know, just think about it a little deeper. Let's put it that way. That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. All right. So cl- closing thoughts from you uh, on this episode, and then we'll move into the the bonus segment. So, you know, we talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about the ideas of liberty. We, we did. Talked- we covered a lot. I'm, I really love this interview because we we went all over the place. And I think this is uh, the one of the interviews. I mean, I'm always myself, but I usually do interviews on like purely libertarian podcasts, whereas this is, you know, kind of a mishmash. And uh, I was able to mishmash a little bit. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, uh, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it a lot. I'm glad that you joined me for the, for the mishmash. So yeah, like what would, what would you like tell people for, uh, that are listening? Like, you know, that are, I guess, concerned about, uh, where the state of affairs, uh, that are the goings on of, of the, of what's happening now, you know, what, what, what would be kind of like if Mark Claire was given, you know, uh, five minutes of, uh, of a podium time to give a message to, to the world, what, what, what would that be? Oh boy, do I really need to fill five minutes with this answer? <laughs> well, let's do two. How about two? Um, okay. I, I, um, it's a very broad question, but uh, that's why I like it. Because really, then that means I can give a broad answer. Yeah, definitely. Which is, I think really, for me, I think the most important thing is is being open-minded in, in all areas. Whether it's facts of a thing you just saw and on the news for 10 seconds that you you think is, you know, certified in stone definitely happened or whether it's what substances people take or whether it's your view on politics that you've maybe grown up with your whole life or maybe come to on your own. Uh, I try to do that too. And look, there are certain things at this point I'm pretty fucking certified in. Like I'm not, you're probably not going to change my stance on guns. You're probably not going to change my stance on the war on drugs, but you know what I'll do? I'll listen. I'll listen to someone's argument if they'll speak to me rationally, if they'll sit down and have an honest conversation. And that's what we're missing a lot of nowadays, especially in the, you know, the um, the Facebook world, the tweeting world. This is a world I'm heavily involved in. And I can see how in, it, it's it's a t- double edged sword because in many ways it, it connects us like you and I would probably not be having this conversation if we didn't have this connected world here with Facebook and Twitter and all this stuff. Like I wouldn't even know about uh, Mike Brangatelli or that you were on a show called Part of the Problem. I par- that, that probably wouldn't exist. Like all of this stuff is amazing. And I think the good far outweighs the bad. But there is a bad. And the bad part is that our arguments, our attention spans are, are becoming shorter and shorter and shorter. And I think that's even more so with the generation being raised now that's growing up on iPads, growing up. I mean, I, I, I know a lot of people who just sit their kids in front of an iPad when they're bored, you know, and then I'm, I'm, I can't say I blame them again, not trying to judge parents out there. But I, I do think this this stuff is creating sort of a a a thing in our brains where we're it's hard for us to focus on anything for one amount of time. And that has to reduce every argument to a tweet or a meme or whatever. And that can really hinder conversation. So that would be the other thing I would say would be to just try to open your mind, but like try to try to talk to people like human beings in real life. Try to get off the internet. 
try to interact. It's hard for me living out here. It's hard to interact with people, but I can get into a lot of honest conversations. Honestly, not coincidentally, I think my some of my best conversations have been at the bar. Like really, that's where some people people are a little more themselves. They're loosened up. They're not worried about what everyone around them saying. And you can really get into great conversations with people in, in the right environment. So again, this is an area where a couple drinks helps a conversation. You know, it's the same thing as, as you might look at a lot of psychedelics. So I'm not saying you got to go get drunk to, to have good conversations, but that's one way that some people have, have gotten into them in the past, in my in my past specifically. Um, but you know, if uh, just try to have those honest conversations in whatever venue you feel the most comfortable and whatever venue that you you know can interact with people like you or people that you're able to, to communicate with. Um, just try not to come to, I'm not saying don't come to solid conclusions in life because I think I've come to a lot of solid philosophical conclusions for me, um, but be open to, 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 to having a non-condescending conversation about them with other people. That's very hard. I think for libertarians, especially uh, 2008 me was a dick. Like I couldn't comprehend <laughs> anyone that didn't like, get Liberty, like in like two sentences. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Tyrant status. Like you, you got to try to reel that in. And that was part of that comes with growing up and being a little bit older. And, um, and part of it just comes with just realizing that's just not what wins people over, you know, telling people they're assholes doesn't win them over. Um, so, you know, try to try to, uh, just like with the way back at the beginning of the show, looking at the, the terrorist shoes, if you will, understand their motivations, try to understand the motivations of the people that are talking to you. And most people are coming from a good place, you know, in their own in their own way, in their own mind, even if you think their ideas rightly <laughs> maybe are ridiculous. Try to be open to them and understand where they're coming from with them. And that will help you have a conversation and, and try to do that for yourself as well. Try to realize that you know, maybe where you're coming from comes a lot from your past and the things that happened to you. And maybe you do need to think about the perspectives of others, uh, you know, when coming to these conversations and, and beliefs and that kind of thing. So I guess to sum it up, it really just come down, comes down to open mindedness, but also sort of like an inner peace in a way, like, like I don't need to, and I, I'm maybe I'm a hypocrite because sometimes I do get into Twitter wars where I start to lose my mind and I got, I got to pull myself back. I don't need to prove myself right to the world. But I do want to change hearts and minds. And those are often different things. So, you know, do your best to not try to go around proving everyone wrong. And again, I'm somewhat of a hypocrite on this sometimes because we're human. But I do try to reel myself in a bit and 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 try to make things as mo as much of an honest conversation as possible, especially with people you know in real life. It's one thing when you're having Twitter wars, because really to me, Twitter wars are not for the people you're warring with. They're for the observers. They're they're for you putting out nuggets out there. So people that are happening on this conversation, thousands of people at sometimes that might be just seeing this but never liking, never commenting, because a lot of people are passive observers. And you got to keep those people in mind. You know, when I was doing a lot of my Ron Pauling as I call it back in like 2008, 2012, posting a lot of Ron Paul videos, a lot of Ron Paul rants. I, a lot of times I thought, is this even changing anything? But I had a few people in those times come up to me and be like, you know what? I don't really ever say anything to you or, or, or you know, say anything public. But, you know, I, I got to say, I really love your stuff. The stuff you say, it really is thought provoking. Like it gets me thinking about things differently and you should definitely keep it up. So hearing even even a couple people tell me that, I mean, then you realize, OK, there's people out there. They're not liking their stuff on social media. They might not even, you know, might not know they're there, but they're there. They're there. And uh, people are reading it and not saying you know, you're changing everybody's minds, but you're probably planting seeds that at least get people to think a little bit. So that, that's the uh, the general approach I would advocate for. 
Excellent. I think I did take up five minutes after all. No, that's great. <laughs> that's excellent. I love that. And, you know, definitely a place to go and hear, you know, healthy debates and conversations and, and interesting points of view. Go to the Lions of Liberty. And, you know, Mark is, you go. is roaring three times a week there. And uh, and and, ah. and that's what we need. Uh, we need more, you know, more people kind of uh, expressing themselves and, and, and having conversations. So so we know, you know, how to calibrate reality. What, what, what should we believe? What should we listen to? And those sorts of things. I thought that was a great ending uh, speech by you, Mark, and uh, I'll definitely vote for you when you run in 2020. Cool. Yeah, I mean, you can find uh, all of our stuff at lionsofliberty.com. That's our main website. And of course, you can find Lions of Liberty where, you know, where podcasts are found. You're smart enough people to know that by now. iTunes, Stitcher, yada, yada, yada. Uh, YouTube too. For You know, I, I only recently realized some people really like to listen to podcasts on YouTube. So we just throw up our podcast there because I guess it subverts like a lot of work fire have work uh, places have firewalls to like iTunes, but not to YouTube. So I guess that's, that's the reason some people listen on, on uh, YouTube. So that's possible too. Um, but yeah, and then uh, we also have a bonus thing. If you if you like any of what you've heard uh, of me and um, some of my conspiracy talk and some of the the bonus talk here, um, it's really just the tip of the iceberg of the kind of stuff we do in the bonus group of the Lions Liberty Pride. That's uh, you know the main show. We focus a lot on libertarian principles, uh, current events, the bonus stuff. We don't throw that out the window, but we uh, we don't limit it to that. Let's just say we we talk about all sorts of stuff. We we do um, you know we do uh, bonus stuff with. Mike Brancatelli, we did. We did a bonus segment with you. Uh, we do uh, bonus segments with a lot of our guests, like uh, Tom Woods, Dave Smith. We did a lot extra stuff like that. Plus, uh, like I mentioned on the other show, the Conspiracy Corner, we do a monthly deep dive into conspiracies. If you're into that jazz and uh, all sorts of just random stuff, like they, a couple of the guys are starting a sports betting show. You know, it's stuff that's like unrelated to liberty. But if you enjoy our shows and our style, you know, you might like our takes on other subjects that aren't even necessarily related. So uh, that's all stuff we say for the bonus people. So for as little as just like five bucks a month. You can have access to all of that. And we put out, we put out a ton of content. We put out a lot of bonus content. We really put a lot of effort into uh, making, providing value for that. Cause we want people that send us money, the people that are funding us and uh, we're not making money on this. We just, we have people, the people that pay us, all goes back into the show and goes into, you know, eventually we're going to be doing some big advertising campaigns to get the word out there a little bit more. Um, so this is all, we don't take a dime from it. We all are just putting a hundred percent, hundred percent back into this because we really believe in uh, the ideas we're talking about and, and, and expanding this conversation. So uh, if you want to support us, you can uh, find us, you can find the pride, our, our paid group at lionsofliberty.com slash support. You can find more info there. And uh, yeah, I think that about sums it up. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for being on again, Mark. And yeah, go support these guys. Go check out their stuff. Mark Claire. And, you know, you got uh, Brian McWilliams, John Odermatt over there. Uh, you know, good, good personality. Electric it's, boy and felony. Man. <laughs> that's right. That's what I called them last time. But good personalities. It's not it's not this like academic dry, you know, liberty stuff. It's it's great. They let their personalities shine through, as you know, from listening to Mark on this episode. So go yeah, check that's them really out. really part of the goal, too, because, I mean, there's we want to talk about these ideas and many of which can be dry in theory, but we, we try to do it with I mean not contrived personality we're really honestly these shows are where we be ourselves or we, we attempt to I mean it's hard to fully be yourself when you're also thinking about hosting a show and keeping an interview flowing and that sort of thing but we do our best we do our best to to bring sort of a, a non-dry flavor to things and uh, you know have interesting compelling conversations that aren't just let me read these 10 questions and you give me the same 10 answers you gave on every other podcast we're really trying and making a strong effort to do, to do a lot more than that and uh, based on uh, some of the reception from the people that send us money I mean we must be doing something something okay if they're if they're sending their hard-earned dollars our way so i hope you guys will uh at least check out the free stuff if nothing else awesome great there you go folks there it is mark claire and <laughs> all right well that concludes our regularly scheduled program 
If you'd like to hear more from me and Mark, some more saucy, juicy, wild, crazy stories about all kinds of things, I don't want to give too much away, but let's just say there's a certain famous professional wrestler involved in one of them. Go and head over to patreon.com slash Mike Brank, M-I-K-E-B-R-A-N-C. Only on Patreon will you have access to this bonus stuff. We're going to start doing this now. I'm going to start doing more and more bonus episodes for the wonderful people that support me on Patreon. And if you want to become a Patreon supporter, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash Mike Brank, and you can be a supporter for as little as a dollar a month. Um, you know, a dollar a month, it's, uh, it's not that much to ask for. It's like three cents a day, and it helps me and this little Mikeadelic studio grow so we can do bigger and better things. So that's it, folks. Go on, go on over to patreon.com if you'd like to hear more from me and Mark. We have a little bonus segment over there, about 25 minutes long or so. And um, we're going to start doing this regularly. We'll have some extra good bonus stuff for you guys and, and some really great uh, new episodes coming out. But thanks for listening, and see you next time.